up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita. Uh, today is October 2nd, 2019. Can't believe we're in October already, but October means one thing and one thing only. Playoff baseball. It's the greatest time of year. It's so much fun. I have an excellent guest joining me in a second, and we are going to preview the MLB playoffs and also give some picks for our regular season MLB awards. We'll probably be given those later on in the episode. But uh, at this time, I'd like to welcome in our guest for today. She is a radio personality at ESPN Phoenix, Michaela Perkins. How are you doing, Michaela? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I love postseason baseball, so I cannot wait to talk shop. (laughs) This is going to be great. I've been looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited. Let me give you a couple of warm-up questions here. Uh, We'll play catch for a second here. What's your favorite ballpark, Michaela, that you've been to? Ooh, that's a tough question. I grew up a Rockies fan, so obviously Coors Field is home for me. I recently went on a baseball stadium extravaganza trip a couple months ago, and I hit all of the Southern California stadiums. I think my favorite so far has been Petco Park. I love Um, Petco. It's so beautiful. It's right on the water. I really enjoyed it there. I also went to Bush Stadium, and I loved it. I loved, like, the history behind that stadium. So, I don't know. Honestly, going to baseball stadiums, it's like a kid in a candy shop for me. <laughs> I, I find something great about each stadium I go to. So, I'm going to have a hard time picking my favorite once I get to all 32. <laughs> I feel yeah, Yeah, it's going to be – it's tough. Um, and now there's some, like, Globe Life Park is gone in Texas. I know. <laughs> You were just there, weren't you? I was, yeah. I was there over the weekend, got to see it in its final weekend of existence for the first time, and it's a beautiful park. It's sad that it's getting shut down. What was it like when you were there? Uh, it was really cool. I, You know, the Rangers are red, white, and blue, and I, I feel like I saw just a lot of red, white, and blue. It felt very American, very much Texas. Uh, they had some great barbecue food, uh, hitters park, lots of wind. It was like, I think when we got there, it was 90 degrees and it didn't feel that hot because it's so breezy there. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) It's lots of nice, cool breeze. It was, I mean, it's probably not always like that. And I was also in the shade and it was at nighttime, but uh, I think the players are going to be grateful to have a dome over their heads next year. Yeah, I can imagine. Texas summers are not friendly. No. (laughs) But it was a cool park. I liked it. I wish I could go back, but I guess I'll have to I'll have to see the new one. Yeah, the new one will be cool to see. I never made it out to Globe Life Park before it closed, so I will have to catch the Rangers at their new field. Yeah, I think it's going to be Globe Life Field, actually. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Globe Life, whatever Globe Life is, they brought the naming rights, so they're going to keep those. All right. Well, at least it won't be too much of a change. Yeah. <laughs> won't be too confusing. Uh, Cowboy Stadium or AT&T Stadium is right across from there as well. Oh, man, that has a lot to live up to. I heard uh, AT&T Stadium is gorgeous. Yeah, I haven't been inside, but it looked like it definitely looks the way that it looks on TV outside of the stadium. It was pretty cool. 
I can imagine. That's definitely one of the stadiums I for sure want to visit before, um, or just, I guess, a bucket list trip. A bucket list trip. Going back to uh, your picks that you really liked, you like Bush. I've been there. Really cool. Uh, when you sit behind home plate and you can see the arch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, it was beautiful. Yeah. I like when you can see the city in the background. You can at Globe Life, but that's okay. Yeah, definitely. I think that's why I want to go to PNC Park so bad. Oh, yeah. I heard it's absolutely stunning. And from the pictures, I can tell it's just an incredible ballpark. So that's definitely high on my list. Did you go to Oracle Park during your trip? No. So I was supposed to go to both the Coliseum and Oracle Park uh, in September. But because of my new job, I kind of had some scheduling conflicts. So I wasn't able to go, which I'm super bummed about. But I will, that will definitely be next summer. So I'm excited to see Oracle. I've heard good things about that park too. Yeah, that one is awesome. I love that place. Um, but Petco, Petco has my favorite ballpark food. Have you, did you get anything at Petco Park? Oh yeah, I, that's the first ballpark I went to that had acai bowls in the park. I know that sounds so lame, but I <laughs> love a good acai bowl. So I had one of those and then I had one of their uh, helmet, ice cream helmet thing, ice cream helmet sundaes. That was delicious. Oh yeah. I I but, love yeah. the, the, I think the place is called Baked Bear. I want to say it's uh Yeah. Yeah. We have that here in Arizona. Oh yeah. So you've had their ice cream sandwiches before? Yes. So good. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That was my, that is my favorite sweet treat that I've had at a ballpark. I had at Petco. Yeah, that I I was that it was between that and the acai bowl, but I decided to go the healthier option. <laughs> <laughs> so this leads me into the last warm up question that I have for you, and that is, what is your favorite food that you've had at a ballpark? Oh man, that's an easy one because I love food. My favorite <laughs> were the carne asada fries at Angel Stadium. Oh my <laughs> gosh, those things were delicious. Wow, I, I've been to Angel Stadium and I'm bummed I missed out on those. You didn't get the carne. Oh man, you definitely <laughs> missed out. Those things, I think, honestly, my favorite ballpark food by far. Well, the thing that I knew about going in, I did a little research on like what's the go to thing at Angel Stadium. I heard about the Halo Dog. Have you heard of the Halo mm-hmm. Dog? Yeah, yeah. And it was, they stopped making it. I was there in 2015. They'd stopped okay. making it. Um, but the thing was, it was like pico de gallo and bacon on a hot dog. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like sweet talking one of the servers and she gave me bacon and pico de gallo to put on the hot dog. <laughs> like in that a That sounds cup. honestly good though. I would eat that. Yeah, it, it was great. So, um, just, you know, I guess you can, you can ask one of the people there like, Hey, can I get Pico de Gallo in a cup and bacon in a cup and, uh, and a hot dog and, uh, you can put it together yourself. It's really good. That's so funny. I don't know about Pico de Gallo in a cup, but if you say it's good, I trust you. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't just eat it out of the cup. I mean, I put it on the hot dog. Well, yeah, 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 of course. But I don't know. It's still something about that sounds a little sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Michaela, let's get into some of our MLB postseason stuff. So the date right now is October 2nd, one day away from Mean Girls Day, by the way. Yes, Mean Girls Day is tomorrow. It's October 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> what day is it? <laughs> <laughs> it's October 3rd. <laughs> 
So this podcast will be dropping on October 3rd, most likely, while the playoffs are beginning on October 3rd. We are recording this right before the AL wildcard game, so we don't know the result of that game. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, But last night, we had a really, really exciting, amazing NL wildcard game, wouldn't you say, Michaela? It was awesome. I could just tell the energy in the ballpark was insane. I wish I could have been there. But it was such a good game. Honestly, it was a nail-biter. I was honestly surprised. I guess I wouldn't have been as surprised um, if the if the Brewers had won. But, yeah, I mean, it was a great game. It was a great game. It seems like one of the big topics of conversation today, the Monday morning quarterback subject, is should... Brandon Woodruff had been pulled after 50 pitches. I think he he went four innings, I want to say. He had just come back from injury, so maybe he was on a restricted pitch count. Who knows? But we know how much Craig Council loves to go to the bullpen. It's tough. Yeah, no, that's definitely definitely a tough decision. I can see why, because he had an oblique strain, right? Yeah, I think that's right. So I could see why Council would be apprehensive to let his pitch count get too high. But also, I think the Brewers have an interesting scenario with their bullpen, especially if you consider last year's playoffs, because Council strategized to use the bullpen first um, when they got further into the playoffs instead of going right to their starting rotation. So I can see why Council would be more willing to put in some of his bullpen pitchers instead of relying on some of his um starters or even his middle inning relief pitchers so I don't know I can see why people are a little frustrated with that decision but at the same time with Woodruff's injury I would be apprehensive to let him get too high in the pitch count as well yeah it seemed like the bullpen magic just sort of wore off I think it's really tough in a one game playoff to use a lot of different pitchers and they didn't use too many because Pomeranz was in there and he went, I think he went two innings and Suter threw an inning or two. Uh, it wasn't like they went, but I mean, they, they did a great job. Suter and Pomeranz didn't give up anything. Like they were pretty much on fire. Yeah. They were excellent. And hater of all people was the one who really struggled. I just think they've used up so much bullpen that you start to see a little bit of the fatigue here with Hader. And I think it's also tough when you have multiple pitchers having to get a feel for the game and coming in at different moments, whereas you can just ride one guy for a while. But they couldn't necessarily do that with Woodruff. So it was tough. Yeah, well, and I think once Woodruff gave up that third inning homer, um, I think that's too kind of when Council was probably, his red flag started to go up and he was like, yeah. uh, you know, maybe this this is the time to make a change. Yeah, definitely. But it was a great game. It's unfortunate that Trent Grisham has gotten a lot of uh, crap today. Um, he was, I don't think he's gotten too much. I think people understand that had he not made that error out in right field that they're probably going to score another run. I mean, they were going to tie it. it. They would have had second and third. They wouldn't have gotten that out in uh, where Soto got in the rundown. But uh, give me your thoughts on that for a second. Yeah, that was rough. I feel so bad for Grisham. I can't imagine his uh, line of thinking after that play went down. Um, obviously you can't pin one exact moment or one exact play on one person. Baseball is a team sport, which is why I love it. 
you know, it takes a team to win and it takes a team to lose. So if anyone is blaming him, I don't think that's justified because there are so many X, Y, and Z things that could have been done differently that would have led to so many different outcomes. Um, but man, you got to feel for that guy. I can imagine uh, he has the weight of that game on his shoulders. Yeah, he was trying to, he was going for that out at home plate. He was charging at it. And, you know, sometimes that just happens. Went off his glove and nothing really else that he could have done about it. He made a nice recovery, threw a guy out. Definitely, yeah. I mean, oh, I just can't, being in that situation, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what was going through his head. I'm sure as soon as he overshot that ball, uh, his stomach just dropped. So, I feel for the guy. Scherzer bounced back very nicely after a rough start. Uh, Settled down. He ended up giving him five innings. And then the other big headline from this game is they ended up using Strasburg. Do they use him for three innings? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was three innings. I think think it was two, maybe. Yeah, I think it was two. But I think using Strasburg is what kept them in the game, honestly. I think his performance is what allowed the team to kind of settle in and figure out their plan of attack. So I think going to Strasburg was a really good move. Yeah, I love that idea of managing. I think it started to ch- this thing started to change a few years ago where managers, it's like a light bulb went off in their heads where they're like, oh, we don't have to wait till the ninth inning to use our best reliever. Uh, we can bring them in in a high leverage spot. And now the evolution of that too. We can use our second best pitcher who we would have start game one if we got out of this game clean, but we got to just focus on the day win now. Cause if we don't win season's over. Yeah. Well, and I think in this situation, obviously like you kind of alluded to, it's a must win situation. If you don't win, you're going home. Yeah. And I think the Nats are in a really interesting position because they have three really, really good pitchers, obviously Strasburg, and Scherzer, but also they have Corbin, who I'm guessing is who they're going to start in game one against the Dodgers. But I think in the back of his mind, he knew, okay, if I pitch Strasburg after I just pitched Scherzer, Scherzer, it'll be okay because we still have Corbin left. And so I think maybe that kind of weighed into his uh, Martinez's decision as well. Yeah, Corbin will no doubt be the game one starter. We have not gotten any word on who's starting when. They haven't released uh, at least... For that series, neither uh, Dave Davey Martinez or Dave Roberts, neither Dave or Dave, has uh, released their probable starters or who they're planning to have start those games. But I think I did see though that uh, Walker Bueller is projected to start for the Dodgers. Oh, was that uh, recent? That yeah, that honestly just happened a couple minutes ago. Oh. I was on uh, I was on Twitter, and it it to me what I gathered is uh, Bueller is going to start Game One. Oh wow. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I see that now. <laughs> Good catch. Yeah, I I think it's going to be an interesting matchup for sure. So we'll definitely see Bueller versus uh, Corbin game one because it'll be interesting what they end up doing. Where do Scherzer? Where does Scherzer start? I mean, I guess he can't go till game four, but Strasburg probably isn't going to be able to go till game three. Yeah, I would imagine uh, depending on how he's feeling, I could. I could maybe see him starting game two, depending on the results of game one. I think if the Nationals lose game one, they might want to start looking at pitching Strasburg in the second game. But also, if he's not feeling 
um, obviously recovered enough. I think game three would probably be the earliest Scherzer would go. Or Strasburg, sorry. Oh, yeah. It's interesting just the way that they've used Strasburg. He's never been a guy who's pitched on short rest in his whole career. So it'd be, it would be interesting uh, to see that if he did pitch game two. Yeah, definitely. It could be Annabelle Sanchez. Yeah, I, I could see that happening as well. Um, I don't know. I just... In these type of games, especially when you're going up against the Dodgers, who are such an offensive powerhouse, you have to be really smart about the pieces that you use. Um, and obviously, you don't want to get down early. Not saying that it's impossible to overcome deficit, but um, it'll be interesting to see how they strate- strategize, LOL, how they <laughs> strategize <laughs> for their matchup against the Dodgers. Honestly, I think the decisions that they make in terms of pitching is going to determine how that series goes. <laughs> Were you alluding to something with a strategize? Was that uh, Saturday Night Live strategery? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Put a little joke in there. (laughs) I was like, did strategize? I hadn't heard that one. I was like, strategery, the George W. Bush on SNL. Yeah, yeah, that was it. (laughs) (laughs) Will Ferrell. I'm glad you caught that. Your <laughs> listeners probably think I'm an idiot, but no. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it was that sketch where it's like, can you describe your campaign in one word and Will Ferrell? Yeah, they were making fun of how, yeah, they were making fun of how Bush always mispronounced words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And speaking of George Bush, he uh, appeared at Globe Life this weekend, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I saw that. Um my friend Hannah Wing is the digital host for the Rangers, so she was posting some behind-the-scenes stuff, and I saw he was there. So oh I can imagine gosh. that was pretty cool. That's so cool. Uh, all right, so let's continue talking about this NLDS series between the Nationals and the Dodgers. The Dodgers are an interesting case because everyone's – talking about the Dodgers I'm I'm sure they're the favorites to win the National League they finished with the best record in the National League this year uh I think they won 104 games 106 106 my goodness but I just it's really really difficult to win the pennant three years in a row hasn't been done by either league National League or American League since the Yankees did it. I, I think that was 01 the last year that they did it where they lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks. You like that nod there? <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a nice plug. <laughs> <laughs> um and the last time it's happened in the National League was the Cardinals 1944. It's really hard to do that. Yeah, no, it certainly is, but I think the Dodgers are going to do it. If any team were to do it, I think it would be the Dodgers. I think um, although they do have a lot of pressure to uh, not only win, but make it to the World Series after their last two stints in the World Series didn't go so well. Um, there is a lot of pressure, but I think pressure makes diamonds. And so I feel like if anyone's going to repeat that, it's going to be the Dodgers. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to go against them. I do think at some point that could work against them, just the fatigue factor uh, sometime in these playoffs. I do, however, like them against the Nationals. I would pick them. They would be my pick. However, I I think that the Nationals could give them some trouble with their pitchers. I think that it could be a good series. Yeah, definitely. I think the Dodgers are going to win as well. I actually have the Dodgers winning in four. But, um, I mean, if you look at the season, the Dodgers obviously finished 13 games ahead of Washington. 
Um, and they also beat them in the series, the season series as well. Um, the Dodgers scored the most runs and also allowed the fewest runs in the whole National League. And they have a plus 273 run differential, which is crazy. It's the yeah. third best of any team this century. So I think, you know, with that factored in and also the fact that the Dodger pitchers have the lowest combined ERA and whip as well in the National League. I think they're just coming at the Nationals from all sides and they're firing on all pistons. Plus, not to mention the Dodgers have, who in my opinion is going to be the National League MVP, Cody Bellinger on their roster. That's a huge bonus as well. Um, I guess the only really downside that the Nationals are going to have to take advantage of is the Dodgers bullpen. Um, I think their bullpen is definitely their kryptonite and uh, Kenley Jansen is so unreliable. So if you know, the Nationals can kind of figure out how to take advantage of that weakness. I think they have a shot at it. Um, but like I said, the Nationals also, you know, have Corbin, Strasburg, and Scherzer, so that's nothing to shake a finger at. It's interesting because the Nationals' bullpen isn't very good either, and which gets me to thinking, like, are any of these National League teams' bullpens all that great? Because in the American League, you could look at the A's, Rays, Yankees. I mean, all those teams, Astros, Twins, all their bullpens are really good. Uh, the Braves have had some questions. They're looking maybe they're looking pretty solid, I guess, and the Cardinals as well. But not none of these bullpens really wow me in the National League. Yeah, I think uh, all of the bullpen pitchers have migrated to the American League, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna need to figure out how to get some of them over to the National League. But uh, it's gonna be interesting for sure. I think. I don't know. I'm pretty confident in the Dodgers' ability to win this series, but uh, I guess we'll have to find out. Yeah, I I think the Dodgers in four pick sounds about right. I think I may have to agree with you on that. Plus two, when you consider the fact that uh, Corbin is two and zero against the Dodgers so far this year, and he has a like sub one like a point five nine ERA against the Dodgers this season, so I think uh, their best chance to win against the Dodgers will be in Game One. Um, obviously it's kind of hard to go into Dodger stadium, um, cause their home field advantage is pretty sweet, but yeah, I think it's going to be a good series. Um, I think the nationals will put up a fight if nothing else, but I think Dodgers and four is pretty much uh, how that's going to turn out. I mean, the Dodgers are going to have to beat in this instance and to win in four, if they lose to Corbin, they're going to have to beat both Scherzer and Strasburg in games three and four. Right. That's how. Yeah. Yeah. That's the instance. But I think you can beat this. The Nationals, if you can get those starting pitchers out of the game early, just work the count. I think that's the best strategy or strategery to beat (laughs) to beat the Nationals. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I agree. Let's stay in the National League side. Cardinals and Braves. I think this is my pick. Uh, this is one of my two picks for best series in uh, the divisional series round. Would, do you agree with that? Is this on your radar? Yeah, uh, yeah, I would definitely say so. It's not my pick for the best series, but it's. I think yeah, I would agree that it's my second. Yeah, it's between this and the Yankees and Twins for me. Those two, absolutely. That Yankees and Twins is oh man, it's going to be a showdown. <laughs> I look forward to talking about this or talking about the Yankee series. But I mean, it's really, you know, what's interesting about the Braves in this series. I'm really high on the Braves. I love what they did this year. I had them winning the division. I think I picked them to go to the NLCS 
uh, going back to the MLB preview show <laughs> that I did with Jordan Morandini, I had the Braves and the Cardinals as the last two teams in the National League. And here they are squaring off uh, in the NLDS. And neither pick was super popular preseason because those divisions were a little crowded. Yeah, that's interesting that you bring that up. Um, I definitely think the divisions are crowded. Um, I I don't know. I'm not surprised by the Braves, but I think the Braves and Cardinals matchup is going to be solid. And um, I think the Braves are definitely a better offensive team than the Cardinals are. Um, the Braves have 855 runs compared to the 765 by the Cardinals. So, um yeah, it's. I think it's going to be an interesting matchup. Um, we'll 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 see how it goes. Yeah, and so what's really interesting to me, right off the bat, w- you did tease one of your award picks. I'm going to tease one of mine here. I like Mike Soroka a lot this year. I think mm-hmm. he should be in the conversation for Cy Young. The Braves have decided that he will not start until game three of this series. So he can only pitch once in this series. That's very interesting. The rationale they said is that he's great on the road, but I think he's just been great all around at home as well. Yeah, I think. um, Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Yeah. So they are going with Keuchel game one. It'll be Mm -hmm. Keuchel versus Michaelis, which is also interesting that Flaherty isn't getting the game one start. I think both those teams are favoring experience in this case. Yeah, I would agree. I was, although, I don't know, I was surprised with uh, uh, Mike Miles getting the start because if, I think if I was in that position, I would go with um, Flaherty because he has been, like, lights out, like, so good. Um, And I think you have to really start with top down in that instance, but, I mean, I guess we'll see how that plays out for him. Yeah, so then we'll have game two, uh, Jack Flaherty on the road in Atlanta, the second of the first two games in Atlanta, and the Braves will be starting Mike Fultonevich, who was sent down earlier this year, but has found his footing recently and has pitched uh, quite well down the stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It does look like they both teams are looking at the experience thing, so Soroka's not going to go till game three. And I think this is going to be a close series. Ultimately, I, while I'm not the biggest fan of this decision, I still have the Braves in five uh, just because I think the Braves are a more well-rounded team. But I think both these teams are really good. It's going to be a fun, fun series. Yeah, I have the Braves in five as well. It's funny you say that. That was my <laughs> initial prediction. Um, so I think it'll be a little bit more of a back and forth than the Dodgers and the Nationals. But I definitely see the Braves uh, coming out on top with this one. But that kills me to say because I would love nothing more to see than Goldschmidt getting a ring. Oh, So yeah. <laughs> that's a huge bummer for me, but I agree, Braves in five. And I actually, my preseason pick, I had the Paul Goldschmidt-led Cardinals winning the World Series. So <laughs> I'm breaking yeah. that pick here, I guess. I think at the beginning of the season, there was a lot of hype. And when they landed Goldie, I think everyone was just through the roof. But unfortunately, um, injuries have played a huge factor in their season, along with the Braves as well, with uh, Acuna and uh, Freddie getting injured throughout the year. But um, oh, I wish I wish more than anything Goldie would get a ring. Maybe someday. Maybe someday soon. <laughs> he could. 
I mean, that wouldn't be great news for the Cubs, but uh, if the Cardinals are perennially in the playoffs now, um, but that could be the case because they've got a really good pitching staff and just a really good, well-rounded team. You know what I like about the Cardinals? And I was texting some of my friends who are Cubs fans, and one of my friends texts me, and he says, and I agree with him completely, he's like, you know, I'm supposed to hate the Cardinals, but I just can't even hate them because I'm watching them, and I'm seeing how they just field the ball so cleanly, they hit for contact, they run the bases well, they've got great pitching, it's just, it's a well-oiled machine, And my friend's like, I'm jealous of that. I wish the Cubs had more of that rather than the whole boom or bust mentality of hitting the long ball. I like I like Tommy Edmond and the speed he brings and just the scrappiness of this Cardinals roster. Yeah, that's I think that's a perfect way to describe them as scrappy. Um, When I was there uh, watching their game against the Giants, uh, that was pretty much what I gathered from that entire game is that their scrappy team and like they just find ways to win that you didn't think would be possible when the game started but they always managed to find a way to uh, figure it out and get the win so you may have heard this but I've heard Tori Lovello comment on Goldschmidt and other people around the industry and I there seems to be a sense from a lot of people they think Goldie is worth like five to 10 wins just in a leadership. He comes in to your clubhouse and as an awesome clubhouse guy, he just automatically makes your team better. Uh, I could see the merit behind that for sure. Um, When I started with the Diamondbacks, um, I worked for them for two seasons. I was, I started as an intern and Goldschmidt was the only person, um, the only player that remembered my name took time out of his day to ask me how my life was going. I told him a story um, about, you know, a personal family story. And he would constantly, whenever he saw me, ask me about how that was going. So he's not only a great baseball player, but he's a great human. And I know that he was so well-respected in the locker room when he was a Diamondback. I mean, the guys would talk about the leadership value that he brought to the team constantly and you know we have a lot of awards that are local to the Diamondbacks organization and Goldschmidt would win every single one whether it was like a community service based one or a leadership award it was always Goldie so I can see why that um, would definitely be a value to a team because he does have exceptional leadership qualities and he's also just an upstanding human Um, but in terms of numbers uh, it's interesting because Diamondbacks um, first baseman this season who took over for Goldie, they pretty much had the exact same line stats. Yeah, Christian um, Walker. Yeah, Christian Walker. He produced basically the same, if not better, than Goldie in some areas. Um, obviously, he's not as experienced, and this was his rookie season or his first full season in uh, Major League Baseball. But um, then that's not a knock on Goldie. I think Goldie is a great baseball player and a, a great person as well. But um, his leadership is definitely invaluable, and I think he will. That's definitely an asset that he brings along with him. So similar, similar numbers, but the win total went down from last year, I would think, or it may have been about the same. It went down from two years ago, I guess. And it was about the same. Too. Yeah, they won three more games this year than they won last season. Oh so wow, that's not a huge. Yeah, well, which is crazy because 
sorry to get off on a Diamondback tangent. <laughs> it's fine. But um, I mean, at the beginning of the season, we lost Patrick Corbin, we lost AJ Pollock, and we lost Paul Goldschmidt. And then at the trade deadline, we lost Greinke. So you know, at the beginning of the season, it was all doom and gloom because everyone was like, "Well, great, we're not going to win anything because you just traded away our best players." And then when things were going pretty okay, and you know, Christian Walker started to step up, and Cattell Marte was a huge surprise for the team. There became like a more positive outlook. But then when we traded Granky at the trade deadline, it was all doom and gloom once again. And then um, the talk of the town now is basically just how the Diamondbacks have completely outperformed any expectations that were set for them at the beginning of the season and how they exceeded all expectations in pretty much every area whatsoever. And especially considering that they did better than they did last year. And last year they had all those pieces so um, it was a it was a really crazy year for the Diamondbacks. It was a crazy year. I appreciated that summary. That was fun to listen to. I, I like the insight. <laughs> Thanks. Random <laughs> Diamondbacks tangent. I had to give a plug to my home team. <laughs> uh, let me give you a question about the Braves here. Who do you think is going to be their game four starter? Oh, gosh. Tehran? Is he healthy? I mean, because... I think he is, and then they got Max Freed. I think it'd be one of those two. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, that's a hard question. I think definitely one of those two. Um, I think last yeah. year they didn't use Tehran at all in the, until like the last game out of relief. For he he was struggling down the stretch, uh, but he had a pretty good year this year. He did. I think it definitely went better for him this year. Um, yeah, I guess if yeah, I would go with Tehran honestly. Yeah, I'm a. I love Max Freed. I think he's got a great future ahead of him. But I would favor the experience in this instance. Um, and I think Freed would be an awesome bullpen weapon for them to deploy here in the playoffs. As like a middle inning relief kind of guy. Yeah, like yeah, bridge yeah. To the guy closing. could go like multiple innings. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. But um, I also agree with you on the experience thing. I think experience plays a huge role in it. Um, you don't want someone that's going to crack under pressure, especially someone that hasn't had as much experience. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. All right. Anything else on this series that you're looking out for? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how the long ball plays into effect with this. Um, the Braves are seventh in average exit velocity so far this year. And the Cardinals are 29th, so I'm interested to see if they'll be able to kind of keep up with the Braves in that perspective. Um, so we'll, we'll, I'll be looking out for that. Yeah, that is that is an interesting point. I mean, I like in the playoffs, I think if you put the ball in play, lots of good things can happen because you can get those crazy errors, even like last night, broken bat is mm-hmm. a hit, and then you get the Grisham play that adds... Um, I mean, that was a that was a great hit, by the way. But weird stuff happens sometimes. There's just so much. Everything's pressurized in the playoffs. Um, so I think if you put the ball in play, good things can happen. And you don't necessarily need to win with the long ball. But uh, that'll be interesting to look out for. Definitely. So, someone just texted me. <laughs> it was just, I thought he, it was going to be breaking news, but it wasn't. It was just... Uh, Cubs managerial opinions from a friend. <laughs> Are you waiting on breaking news over there? <laughs> uh, there's not going to be any breaking news for, I'm guessing there's going to be at least a week. We have to wait, but I would love Joe Girardi. I think Joe Girardi would be a great Cubs manager. Honestly, that's so weird. You said that because 
when you were texting me telling me what kind of things you wanted to talk about um, and the new managers were one of those things, I was thinking about it. And if I, my first pick um, uh, was, uh, was Joe. So that's weird that you, uh, that you mentioned that because I think um, in my opinion, if I were the Cubs, that's who I would go with, um, especially considering his experience with the Yankees. Um, And I think, you know, Joe Madden did a great job of taking a really young roster and raw talent and turning it into a World Series. But I think now those players have kind of um, matured their experience, and so they need an experienced manager who not necessarily can take a young team further, but take the team that they have and put the right uh, pieces in place for the experience that's on their roster. Yeah, I think that those are all great points. The thing with Girardi, people forget, like, what he had to manage so many egos with those Yankees teams. Uh, yeah, seriously. A Rod to Jeter to uh, whoever else you want to throw in there. But just, I look back at what they did in 2015 where they overachieved, uh, made it into the wild card game. And the big thing throughout that series, it was like the first year post Jeter. So I had to navigate through this whole thing of like, no more Jeter. He's the face of baseball. He's gone. Didi Gregorius is now, I mean, a lot of pressure on that guy. He played well right away. A-Rod just comes back from suspension. That's a big cloud hanging over the team. And then Sabathia has to check into re- alcohol rehab, uh, treating his alcoholism. And they made it to the playoffs despite all of that. I think Girardi's great at managing egos. And I think, like you said, that's exactly where the Cubs are right now they need someone like him yeah well and a lot of people don't realize that he was a top candidate for the Reds job last season um and the Reds are kind of in a similar place with you know the big egos so um I think he brings exactly what the what the Cubs need uh to that yeah I I believe he pulled his name out from that he he did yeah yeah I think he he was waiting he's like if I'm gonna get into managing I, I should have my pick of the litter, and I I would think he still does. I mean, it's it's a crowded field right now for managers because now Madden's out there. Uh, Bochi might want to continue managing, um, and then there are all these young guys that you don't have to pay that everyone seems to be into. All the front offices want a yes man, so we'll see what happens. Well, while we're on the topic, what do you think of um, Mark Loretta moving up to be the manager? I don't love it for the Cubs. Uh, I think if you get rid of Joe Madden, part of it is you want to bring in a new voice, someone from the outside. And so I think David Ross, Mark Loretta, uh, there was another name. Oh, Will Venable. All three of those guys are from the inside. And I think all three of them could end up being a great manager someday, but I just don't know if it's the right situation. I think when you make that kind of move, you move over to something different. I think that's where you bring in Girardi. Um, now, there is one guy that I like who has no coaching experience who I think could be a great manager and actually could be a good fit for the Cubs. Do you know who I'm thinking of? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's an MLB Network personality. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, oh, shoot. Maybe? Okay, wait, no, just tell me. Uh, Mark DeRosa. Oh, okay, Yeah. Interesting. Why, why do you why do you think that way? Well, so the MLB Central is one of my favorite shows. I listen to his thoughts on the game every day. 
And he's made it very clear that the stuff that he puts a lot of value into in terms of veteran leadership, accountability, just it's, it's very different from what Madden was about. And I think when you make a change, you got to go the other way. You got to get someone with a different approach. And it doesn't have to be entirely different, but I think the mm-hmm. Cubs need some a little more leadership and accountability and not as long of a leash. Um, and the you think he, even though he doesn't have any managerial experience. Yeah. So I'm not into that idea. Um, but I favor that over some of these other options in terms of because David Ross is getting thrown in there as a name. And he, I mean, like I love David Ross. I think he could be a great manager someday, but I mean the team, I just don't know if the guys would respect him. It, he was just played with them a couple years ago uh, with DeRosa. I just, I feel like he'd have a little more backbone in terms of like dealing with the front office. He wouldn't be, uh, the yes man to the front office. And I just, I like a lot of things that he says in his uh, mentality on the game. So I, my point, I guess, Michaela, what I'm saying is if they had to go that direction and hire an inexperienced manager with no coaching experience, I think he would be the guy. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, are you familiar with Herm Edwards from yes, uh, the NFL? Of course. So, yeah. So I kind of, I guess I would equate it to that when, uh, Herm coached in the NFL um, for a few years for the Chiefs and the Jets, and then he got out of coaching and moved to ESPN, and he was an ESPN analyst. And then um, he got hired most recently as the head coach of ASU. Yep. And when he, that happened, the local media here was in an uproar. They were like, why are you bringing in a coach who hasn't coached in college for, for forever? And he got fired from his NHL, or his, uh, NHL, his NFL head coaching jobs and so everyone was so upset and they didn't understand why and you know when Herm did his press conferences he'd be like you don't forget how to coach and you don't forget how to play and I was a player and I was a coach and yeah I've been in the media and I've been out of it for a while but I can that doesn't affect my ability to be a coach and so I would I mean I guess I could equate that to if they if the Cubs went in the direct in that direction um, I'm sure at first people would be kind of, why are you doing this? This doesn't make any sense. But um, just because, you know, he hasn't coached before doesn't mean he wouldn't make a good coach. And that's funny that you bring that up. I think that's a great comparison. And I felt like I was in the very slim minority saying, I think Herm could do a good job. I remember it was like between um, him and Gruden, I've been backing up both those guys and we'll see what happens up happening with John Gruden. But I I've always liked Herm Edwards and I'm happy to see what he's done with the program in just a short amount of time. Definitely. And now that he's uh, successful, everyone is acting as if they never doubted him in the first place and everyone's on the Herm train. So uh, if the Cubs go in that direction, maybe everyone will be on the DeRosa home train. (laughs) (laughs) The thing with Herm Edwards, he was so funny. And I think the thing is, is people just looked at him and they're like, oh, he's just a funny guy on ESPN like they didn't take him seriously and that's sort of the same thing with Gruden that people forget that both those guys had some good success in coaching and Herm the thing that was so funny about him was like he would always if he'd be talking about a player he'd be like "Ooh, he's a good football player oh but he can't throw oh no oh no can't throw the football oh but he's a good player (laughs) (laughs) that was a great Herm impression (laughs) (laughs) have you met him I guess Oh yeah, I have. He's 
honestly, anytime I'm around him, I just want to run through a brick wall. Like he's the, <laughs> he is the coolest person ever. And he's so friendly. I love Herm. <laughs> That's awesome. But I guess too, not to get on even more of a tangent, but uh, the Yankees did something similar when they, when they hired Boone. Yeah. So, you know, it, it wouldn't be that far out of the blue if they went in that direction with DeRosa. That's just, I mean, it's a trend right now. People want to hire the inexperienced guy that they don't have to pay as much. But I, I really would like to get some experience in here for the Cubs. I mean, they're in their window right now, and I think that would just be ultimately the best decision to get Joe Girardi. And the other thing about Girardi, he played on the Cubs. I remember watching him as a kid when he played here. He was here two different stints, grew up here, went to Northwestern. Uh, his grandparents are from here. His parents are from here. He's an Illinois guy. It just seems like it makes too much sense. Like it's got to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would think so. When when I was thinking about who would replace Madden, that was my first choice. So we'll see. You got any other managerial thoughts? Uh, and we'll before we do the AL. Um, honestly, I've been so wrapped up in postseason baseball that I haven't thought about it too much other than honestly I think the most sense for the Padres would be to hire Joe Madden yeah I think think there's a lot of similarities between the 2015 Cubs and the current Padres roster they've got a lot of young inexperienced talent currently on the roster and then you take a look at their farm system and the guys that are coming up through that um, I think it's very similar to how the Cubs were structured. So I think if anyone can take a young team and make them successful, I think Joe Madden's the person to do that. So um, I think the Padres would most likely go in that direction. I think it would make the most sense. Yeah, I would agree. I think Madden, it's going to be between the Padres and the Angels. And I think he is he's a free agent here. He can make his pick. I think he could pick between either of these spots. He's going to be sought after by both organizations. There's a lot of history with the angels. Um, personally, I would be a little more attracted to the San Diego job because I do think they're going to turn the corner faster than the angels will. But with his history with the angels, I mean, look, here's the thing, Michaela, whenever someone loses a job, I, I feel bad for the person, but it's like, I know he's going to be set up good because he gets to move out to the West Coast. He's going to have some warmer weather, uh, probably less pressure from the local media. So I think both those jobs are really good. And I think he's going to be really happy with wherever he goes. Yeah, I agree. I think I think he'll be fine. You know, it, it sucks to lose a job, but he's got one right on the corner. So he'll be good. Yeah. Do you think the, the Angels thing could come to fruition? Um, I, I do kind of for the reasons that you just mentioned. Um, but I think the biggest detractor is the fact that the angels have a lot of issues and I think they are further out from, like you said, turning the quarter than the Padres are. So I feel like if he's interested in success, not necessarily, well, I guess success in terms of wins and winning and getting to the playoffs, um, he would go with the Padres, but I can understand his connections to the Angels organization and why he would be inclined to take that job as well. But I definitely think the Padres are on a faster track to success than the Angels are. And correct me if I'm wrong in other news, no word on the futures of Gabe Kapler or Mickey Calloway if either of those guys are coming back yet, right? No, yeah, that's a huge question mark if um, those guys are coming back. I would imagine not, but 
Uh, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. Um, but I don't think by any means their job is safe. The thing that's so weird is you would think if they're coming back, they would have said something by now. Like they would put the issue to bed. I mean, I would, I, I would think so. I agree a hundred percent. I think there's a lot of speculation going on right now. And if they are trying to quiet that speculation, they would just, you know, nip it in the bud and be like, no, they're coming back or, um, something like that. But I definitely think that their jobs are in jeopardy. So I'm, I'll be, I'm definitely gonna be watching that closely because I think it'll be interesting to see what direction they go in. And the Royals with Ned Yost retiring, I've been hearing Mike Matheny's name uh, as a replacement as well. Really? I yeah. on, uh, I haven't been following that one. Um, I know that obviously Yost retired, but um, yeah. I honestly like I couldn't tell you anything about the Royals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Royals are an interesting organization. That's for sure. Well, I just got my Jorge Soler uh, powder blue Royals jersey in the mail last night. So oh, wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. I will say their jerseys are clean. Oh, yeah. The powder blue. I mean, I have I have a Kershaw Dodgers jersey, so I had to get the powder blue Royals jersey because the, the home solid royal blue that the Dodgers and the Royals kind of have the same look on those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had to get the powder blue this time. There you go. I'm jealous. I need to expand my jersey collection. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's been linked to that. Um, I guess it could be interesting with the Mets and Phillies if one of the reasons they're waiting is if they're trying to see if they can get one of these experienced managers, if they can book some meetings with them, because maybe they're trying to see what they're going to be able to replace them with. Because you don't want to just fire a guy and then be like, oh, wait, we don't have a better option after all. Yeah, um, I guess my biggest concern with Matheny, he has kind of like a negative rep, doesn't he? A kind of like not so positive. He developed it towards the end there. Yeah. So I'd be, I mean, I feel like there would be a little bit of a backlash with that move. I don't know. I could be wrong. um, I've heard he's a great guy in real life. Um, He does manage. Uh, he's, you know, he's a, he's a drill sergeant kind of manager. Um, but sometimes you have seen managers thrive in their second, their second act. And I mean, he did a good job with the Cardinals those first three years post La Russa, um, right. but they struggled and maybe there's part of it. Maybe who knows how much of it was him, how much of it was the roster construction, I don't know. It'll be interesting. But you know who else is also out of a job is Clint Hurdle, too. Yeah, that's true. Were you surprised by that? I was surprised by that. I think he's a really good manager. Well, I think, most importantly, he was surprised by that, too. I think, last I heard, he was expecting to come back for another season. Yeah, he was there for nine years as well. Um, I think there were, before um, the attitude kind of shifted towards Hurdle, I think that um, I heard just through the the pipeline that they were in talks to bring him back for the 2020 season. So I'm sure uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. I know towards the end of the season, things started to shift and um, things weren't going as well, um, probably as the Pirates organization had hoped. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think whoever they bring in though, I think they need to bring in someone kind of uh, that is like a Craig council esque in terms of how he manages um, and that new wave kind of style, just because obviously the Pirates are a very old organization and a lot of the things they do um, are that old style baseball. 
um, and I don't think it's been working for them. So I think that they need to kind of bring in a fresh young perspective that will help turn that organization in a more positive direction. Um, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of tired of seeing them plunk anyone for any reason whatsoever. So um, it'll be interesting to see who they bring in. Well, see, I, I like having the different approaches around the league. I like having that diversity of opinion and thought when it comes to the unwritten rules of baseball. So I like that about Clint Hurdle. Um, but yeah, it does look, it does get a little old. I think they will go in a, another direction. And actually, if you want to talk about locations for Joe Madden, now I think he would prefer going out to the West Coast, but from an interest standpoint, I know he's not a younger guy, but he would have he has a very different mantra from Clint Hurdle. And they've got a young roster. They want those players to develop. I think that would be really, really fun if you had the Madden versus the Cubs in the same division for the next few years. Yeah, that would definitely be interesting. Um, I think I agree with you that Madden definitely would take the team in a different direction than what Hurdle did. So it'd be very interesting. Yeah, and I don't think he liked Clint Hurdle personally either. So no, yeah, there was definitely some bad blood there, uh, definitely some tension. So I would be a little salty if I was Hurdle if I was replaced by him. But yeah, that's the nature of the business. All right, you ready to go over the AL side? I am ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> Great. Okay, so uh, let's talk before we get to the the big one that you and I both are really excited about. Let's talk about this Astros versus the winner of the wild card game. Which of these teams, A's or Rays, do you think the Astros would rather see? Mm, I think the Astros would rather see the Rays, but I think the Athletics are going to win. I'm on the same page with you there as well. <laughs> I don't typically agree with people this much. <laughs> <laughs> we just have a great minds think alike thing going yeah, on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I think anytime you play someone in your division, that's difficult. Now, look, they have not, I mean, they've lost the season series to the Rays. Make whatever you want out of that. So they're three and four against them this year. And the Rays have a lot of healthy pitchers now because Glassnow's back, Blake Snell's back. So that could be an interesting series. I almost wonder if they would rather play the Twins than play either of these teams. Because then in the the Oakland's case, anytime, like I said, anytime you play someone in your division, that's, I mean, I don't think anyone ever wants to meet someone in their division in the first round of the playoffs. Oakland A's have won six of their last eight games against the Houston Astros. Yeah, uh, the A's are red hot right now. Um, and that has a lot to do with the people that they have in their lineup. But... Uh, going back to your Twins point, I don't think anyone wants to face the Twins. I think um, the Twins are one of the better teams in the playoffs right now. But um, in terms of who's going to be facing Houston, I definitely think it's going to be the A's. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that, like you said. It should be a real pitcher's duel tonight, at least until the bullpen guys start coming in, which with Kevin Cash could happen uh, you know, in the fourth inning. But uh, Sean Manaya has been electric lately on the Oakland side, so that'll be he'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I think you couldn't ask for a better matchup between Manaya and Morton. So yeah, um, I agree with you. It's 
uh, a pitcher's duel, I think, is what we're in store for. Um, I think the key to the game is going to be getting Matt Olson going, um, So along with Marcus Simeon. So we'll see how they can handle that. But I'm really excited to watch the pitching matchup between uh, Morton and Manea. You know what, Michaela, would be really cool if the... If the Rays won this game, we would have the OJ series. You know what I mean by that? No. This has nothing to do with Orenthal James Simpson, but okay. both of the ballparks are sponsored oh, by Orange uh, Juice. Company. Yeah, you're right. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, um, Minute Maid and Tropicana. Tropicana, yep. <laughs> so funny the king of the orange juice <laughs> do you have a do you have a dog in that race between tropicana and minute made uh i gotta go with tropicana honestly i'm a tropicana girl through and through <laughs> yeah tropicana i'm pretty sure is the one that had the logo with the orange with the straw in it yeah it is yeah, yeah, yeah that was definitely my orange juice of choice and has been ever since Oh, yeah, I got a jug of Tropicana in my fridge right now. (laughs) (laughs) So could that swing (laughs) things in the favor of the race? You know, I don't think that'll have anything to do with it. But if it turns out that it's a showdown of orange juices, I would be very happy. (laughs) Have you is anything else like when we've had a playoff series between two teams with similar kind of sponsors? Does anything come to mind for you? I know I know of at least one. Um. Uh, I was going to say um, back when Oracle was AT&T, uh, AT&T and T-Mobile. Oh, um, yeah. For the Mariners. Uh, but we didn't I guess, get that as a playoff uh, series. No, yeah. Um, I was just tr- I was just thinking in terms of, uh, of uh, naming rights. Uh, would it be a bank? Is it banks? Um, that's probably happened. The one I was thinking of was... The 2006 NBA Finals between Miami Heat and Dallas Mavericks. I don't know which was which, but one of the I can guarantee you one of those teams was American Airlines Center, and the other one is American Airlines Arena. Oh, okay, I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> now that oh, wasn't. That's that, so funny. That was like the same sponsor. That's what's so weird. <laughs> it wasn't like right, two yeah. different airlines. It was the same one. Yeah, no, that is weird. I honestly, I wouldn't have known that unless you brought it up. That's so funny. <laughs> yes, but ultimately, we can talk about A's and Rays all day. I don't think either of us are ultimately going to uh, pick the either team over the Astros. No, not at all. Not a chance. The Astros are just too good. They're just way too, too good. Nice. They have the best rotation. They have the best lineup top to bottom. They have a really stellar bullpen. I mean, honestly, I don't see anyone being the Astros. I think they're going to win the World Series this year. So I don't, whoever wins this wild card game, they got a tough, tough battle in front of them because I think the Astros are uh, no question going to win that game. I will go with the Astros, but I will say, I think either team can push this series to five games. I think it, I think it's going to end up being a pretty good series. Interesting. I have the Astros winning in four. Okay. So I guess we disagreed a little bit. Yeah. For once. <laughs> <laughs> it, it does. I think it does hurt a lot for the A's to not have Mania be mm-hmm. able to go two games. So that could be costly. But I think the Rays pitching staff could. Uh, if they do get through this game, I like 
how much depth they have around their bullpen and their starters. So I think their pitching could push that series to five. I think the A's, just the rivalry factor division series, I think that could end up being good series as well to five. If if the Rays win today, do you think they go with Snell first? Mm. They might go Nick Anderson because he's healthier. Interesting. Right? I mean, like where... I don't know where how has Snell been doing lately? Like in terms of has he been going six innings? Has he been like what's his pitch count been? Honestly, I don't think it's been stellar. Um he's six and eight on the year and his his ERA is put getting close to five. So I mean, yeah, I guess I could see your point um with not maybe trusting him with the first game in the series. But hey, the, the, it would give Kevin Cash a reason to go to his bullpen even earlier, which he loves doing. True. So, You're not probably wrong. will be playing <laughs> Snell then. Part of the logic between or for the Nationals last night with Scherzer, you don't want to lose that game and think, <laughs> what if we had used Scherzer? We don't know. Like, we don't know what would have happened. We should have used Scherzer. Like, you got to do that. So I think that, that could be... Uh, that thought process could occur with the Rays with going to Snell early. And I, I think I think you're right. I think Snell will go game one if if we get there. It'll be interesting for sure. I mean, like I said, I don't really think it matters all that much because I think the Astros are gonna <laughs> uh, definitely be <laughs> dominant in that series. So uh, I don't know. That's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard for either team that has to face the Astros. I do not envy their position. <laughs> no. Um, I like I we could see Glass now in relief tonight too. Yeah, I was gonna say that. It would be interesting. I feel like it would be a very similar situation to what the uh nationals were in uh yesterday. Yeah. Um so I think it would have to be I think that they would need to feel like their backs were up against the wall to do that. Um I honestly feel like that's kind of the mindset the nationals were in when they went to Strasbourg was like, oh gosh. You know, this is a one and done game. We gotta, we gotta do something here to ensure that we can at least stay in this fight. So I think if they did go to Glass now, it would be kind of like a similar situation to what the Nationals were in. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So we do agree on something in this series. I mean, we we, we agreed on like I don't know, like eighty five percent of this series. Just yeah, small... I was gonna say we're doing good pretty so far. <laughs> well, I meant e- even in this series, like I say, we agree on pretty much everything. I just have it going to five, and you have it going to four. Yep. All right, let's get to the big one, Michaela. What excites you about this Twins Yankee series? Oh, I think this is the most evenly matched playoff series out of all of them i think the twins are mashing the ball and the yankees are pretty much doing the same and i think it's going to be an absolute gunfight for the entire series i don't think it's going to be a pitching duel i don't think it's going to be a low run score i think they're absolutely just going to be like hitting dingers left and right and i'm so excited for that because who doesn't love a good dinger (laughs) (laughs) For sure. There's going to be a lot of them. And we had that there was that one crazy Yankees twins game where they played a weekend series. I want to say it was like a Friday night game where it was like, what was it? Like 13 to 11 or something like that. It was a crazy game. And we're going to get that for high scoring. Yeah. We're going to get that five times potentially. It's so exciting. I mean, the twins have hit 
307 home runs this year, and they have five players on their roster who have hit more than 30 home runs each. I mean, I don't know what they're drinking in Minneapolis, but (laughs) holy cow, they cannot seem to not not make contact with the ball. It's crazy. Let's just say they're probably eating their spinach like Popeye. Uh, yeah, I would definitely say so. <laughs> um, in terms of pitching matchups, I mean, like you said, neither of these teams, their starting pitching is really great. From the Twins side, I would expect to see, obviously, Jose Barrios. I, he would be the game one starter. Uh, Jake Odorizzi, and then Kyle Gibson, and who who else? For the Twins? Yeah. Uh, I would... Imagine probably Trevor May and Tyler Duffy. Yeah, and Gibson um, struggled a little bit this year. Yeah, I would say, um, I mean, I think the Twins' weakest part in terms of their pitching is they don't have a deep middle relief group. Um, I think, you know, Trevor May and Tyler Duffy are probably the best hope um, to kind of bridge that gap until Rod. Um, yeah, I think that'll be interesting to watch. I totally agree with you, though. Um, Barrios is going to be the starter for the Twins. The only thing, though, is that he has some pretty uh, not great combinations. I know he likes to throw his curveball and then a fast and away combo, and I think he gets destroyed every time he does that. So he's going to have to figure out how to stay away from that combo if he does start. Um, Otherwise, I think the Yankees are going to jump out to an early lead and take advantage of that. Yeah, I I agree. (laughs) Um, and then on the Yankee side, no Domingo Herman. Uh, really not good circumstances there. We won't go into that. But uh, who would you expect to see as the Yankee starting pitchers? Because we haven't uh, we haven't gotten any news from either of these teams on their probable starters, unless you've uh, seen it and I haven't. No, no, this one I haven't seen. Um, I don't know. I mean, my gut would tell me Chad Green. But uh, I don't know. I think I think it'd be smarter to use CC as like a long relief option. Uh, that's tough because I don't. The Yankees, <laughs> their pitching Paxton is interesting. Will be one, I guess we can say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, that's hard. I, I mean, know, I think it's the only, weird. The only bright spot in the entire pitching staff for the Yankees is Araldis Chapman and. Oh, I don't know. That's tough. It's hard. I can't. Probably yeah, Severino would probably get one game would be my guess. Severino, yeah. Paxton, and then they they could use that opener format that you bring up with Chad Green. Or even uh, Tonka, and, uh, Tonka and Hap, J.A. Hap. Yeah, yeah. Tough decision. That's hard. I don't know. What would you do if you were Boone? Who would you pick? Oh man, I don't know. I think I think we pretty much, uh, you know, you got to go Paxton, but pretty much all those names that we just said, right? I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know. That's a hard choice. I think I think that's the Yankees' kryptonite is their pitching. So I think whatever happens in this series. The Yankees are the favorites. I know that. And for all year, we've heard Yankees and Astros. It seems like everyone's like, it's a two-team race. The American League, it's these two teams. I don't know if the Yankees are evenly matched with the Astros. I think they're evenly matched with the Twins. 
I think the only are. people that think the Yankees are going to beat the Astros are Yankees fans. Okay, <laughs> let's just get that out of the way. There's no way that the Yankees are going to. I mean, unless the Astros like astronomically implode there is i don't think there's any way did you like that little word association i don't think there's any way the yankees beat the astros honestly and if you want my this is just my opinion hot take i think the twins win in five yeah i don't think that is too hot of a take i was i hadn't made up my mind but i'm gonna pick the yankees here to disagree with you so we have some uh disagreement but here's the thing I think the Twins are – this is what's really – like you said, no one wants to play the Twins, especially the Yankees if they were to advance. The Twins are going to ding up their pitching staff right before mm-hmm. they play Houston. So the Astros could potentially sweep the Yankees if the Yankees somehow get through the series. Yeah. No, yeah, I totally agree. Oh, man, it's tough, but hmm, I don't know. I think the Twins are going to pull one out. I think the Yankees are a little bit overhyped, as typical Yankee-esque news is. <laughs> um, I think they really struggled uh, down the stretch this year, so I think the Twins are a better team. Um, so I think it'll, and you know, not by like a, war- a wide margin, no. but I, th- yeah. I think the Twins in five for sure. I think the thing is, like, I was getting ready to be like, yeah, the Yankees. But then as we started talking about those pitching staffs, we don't even know who would go for the Yankees. And we're like, okay, a few of those Twins options are actually pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I think the Twins have a better starting rotation um, than the Yankees do, but the Yankees have a better bullpen. Yeah. So if, you know, Aaron Boone pulls out a Craig Council type move and goes with the bullpen first and then maybe some of their starting pitchers to close out the game. I think that would be an interesting way to combat that. Um, but I I don't know. It's interesting because they have an opposite issue from each other where the starting pitching is better for one team, whereas the bullpen's better for the other. Excellent. This was great analysis on these first four series, unless there was something else you wanted to bring up on this series in particular. I'm just excited to watch it. I I just want to watch it now. I think it's going to be a great series. (laughs) I'm so excited. The Friday of these playoffs where you have all four games on, it is one of the best sports days of the year. It doesn't get talked about enough. It's up there with the, uh, you know, the first weekend of March Madness. It's just so great. I love it. Yep, I agree 100%. I'm going to be glued to my TV. You're not going to be able to tear me away for any reason whatsoever. So let's go, baby. I'm excited. <laughs> um. Okay, so y- let's recap. You had the Twins, Astros, Braves, Dodgers. And yes. I had all those teams except I went with the Yankees instead of the Twins. So who's in your World Series? We won't. I don't want to go like super in-depth on these potential playoff series that may not even happen. But who who do you have in your World Series? I have the Astros and the Dodgers in my World Series and Astros in six. So I actually, I have the Astros and the Braves. Oh, interesting. And I do think that one of these National League teams could make it tough on the Astros as well. But I, I do have the Astros winning because... They just they have the best team. I just don't yeah. see what what we saw last year was a battle between two teams that are very evenly matched. Um, maybe the Red Sox were a little better, but 
I don't see a juggernaut. It was like there were two juggernauts that crashed into each other and only one of them could emerge victorious. And I don't think there's another juggernaut, but I do think one of these Nash, I think the Dodgers, Braves, Cardinals, I think any of those teams could give the Astros a great run for their money. Yeah, and I agree. And that's why I didn't say, you know, the Astros went in five or the Astros went in whatever. I think six is a reasonable, just because I don't see it going how the Astros and Dodgers series went two years ago. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be a little bit more of a dogfight this year, but they, I don't see any holes in the Astros lineup anywhere. Do you? No. <laughs> and you know what so, I love? I love one of the guys who's underrated on this team is Michael Brantley. He's just a great contact bat to have. And I love one of the things I love about the Astros is in addition to their dominant starting pitching, they don't strike out a whole lot. They won it two years ago as a team that did not strike the, the least amount of strikeouts in baseball. And as we touched on, playoff baseball, strikeouts get you nowhere. But if you hit the right. ball and play, good things can happen. And the Yankees are going to strike out a good amount with their power bats. That's just something that's going to happen. So I, in the, the Red Sox last year, they were they had a similar approach with contact hitting. I just, I love that model. Yeah, um, definitely. The Astros, their power hitters are also smart hitters. They're not yeah. taking wild swings at balls that you would never swing at in a million years. You know, they're strategic. They can get back in counts. I've never seen a team that could be down 0-2 and, and come back and get into a 3-2 count. It's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Well, so and you... also for the Astros, too, don't forget, you know, uh, Jordan Alvarez. Of I mean, course. wow. What an unexpected, I guess maybe not unexpected, but a pleasant surprise for that team. Yeah, it was a little under the radar in terms of other rookies in the American League. I know a lot of people had Aloy Jimenez or Vladdy Jr. Um, we're going to get to our picks in a little bit for the awards. Um, I just I was going to comment on your World Series. So you have a rematch from two years ago, and like you said, you don't see it going the exact same way, seven games. I think it's interesting because I think when two teams meet in a championship, it's really hard to beat the same team to two. I guess it wouldn't be two years in a row, but two matchups in a row. Uh, You could look at how Mm -hmm. Clemson and Alabama have kind of gone back and forth or the Lakers and the Celtics in the eighties would go back and forth. So that would be interesting. I mean, that would be really tough for the Astros to do twice, but if there's one thing about the Astros that we've said, you know, they could totally do that. And if we know anything about the Dodgers, they tend to choke in really important situations. So <laughs> it wouldn't be surprising if the Dodgers wet the bed as typical <laughs> Dodgers do. So I don't know. I just see, I don't see anyone being the Astros. I don't care who you throw in there. I really just think that there's no holes in their lineup. They've got powerful hitters, smart hitters, incredible pitchers, Cy Young pitchers, so, uh, yeah, it'll so, be a good World Series, though. You would so your bold pick for the playoffs, I guess. I'm not gonna put words in your mouth, but I guess that would be the Twins, because that's yeah. a little bold. That's a little against the grain. Yeah, definitely. I would say that's my one bold prediction would be that the Twins beat the Yankees. And my bold prediction is that the Dodgers will not win the NL pennant. I think that the Braves are going to beat them. I just think eventually fatigue's going to set in. I think they're going to run into a tough matchup. And 
the bullpen has question marks. There are just a lot of things. I didn't love, you know, the Dodgers the last couple months of the season, while they still finished with 106 wins and while they were still clearly the top team in the National League, I, you know, the Braves almost caught up to them. And they yeah, were, they did. Yeah, they were. I mean, they ended up. I think the the Braves won ninety eight, so I guess they still had eight games. But it was like a few weeks ago, the Dodgers were only up two or three games on them, and so I guess the Dodgers then did end up finishing strong. But I just think where the Braves came from with all their injuries, uh, slow start at the beginning of the year, things are clicking. I I like the Braves. I think they're they're I like the Braves as a National League team. I mean, listen, my favorite team is the Rockies, and I work for the Diamondbacks, so I absolutely hate the Dodgers. So I would not be upset if the Dodgers lost to the Braves. Honestly, I prefer it. I do not like the Dodgers. So, you know, I wouldn't be mad if you were right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we will see. So I guess I would go Astros in six only over the Braves, not not the Dodgers. All right. There you have it. Yeah, there you have it. Okay. Let's do our awards uh, quickly here, and then I'll uh, let you go. Let's do manager of the year first. Who do you have in the American League? I have Aaron Boone. Yeah, I think he's going to win it. I I think so, too. I think he deserves it. I think, really, it's wide open in both leagues this year. I mean, I think Boone does deserve it because of all the injuries that they had to go through. They had a great year. Um, but there's a case to be made for Rocco Baldelli or uh, Melvin with the A's. So, I mean, the A's won 97 two years in a row. Yeah, he totally turned that organization around. So I I think Boone gets it. I think he deserves it. In the National League, it's you could go any of these. I think you could pick any of these guys who manage their team into the playoffs and that's the right pick, or it's a defendable pick. Definitely. I would agree with you. Who do you have? Mm, you go first. <laughs> All right. I feel like I might get a little bit of flack for this, but I have Craig Council. I don't think so. I think he's got the most momentum building up right now. Yeah, and for, sim- for similar reasons to you know Aaron Boone, he did a lot with the team. Uh, considering the injuries. I mean, they freaking lost Christian Yelich, the reigning MVP. So I think what he did with the team and the circumstances around it were impressive. Um, He's also a really great person. um, And I think he would be a good choice for the um, manager of the year. Uh, It's so tough because with him and Davey Martinez, you can do the whole thing of like they lost someone because the Nationals lost Bryce Harper. They had a lot of injuries. They were 19 and 31 at one point and still ended up with the first wild card. Um, so there's a strong case there. You could go with any of the division winners. Um, I'll go with I'll go with Davey Martinez. Okay, that's a, I, that was who I was thinking about too. I was between uh, Council and Martinez for me, but it's not a bad pick at all. And the way the award goes is no one ever wins it two years in a row. It's just like, right. Yeah. Do you even know who who won it last year? Wait, didn't was it Snicker? Um, yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, he won it, and then um, I'm trying to think. It was um, before that. Melvin. Melvin won it last year oh, too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Melvin's not winning it this year. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, Boone, and then I think Council and Martinez, that's who we've got. Okay, Rookie of the Year, Jordan Alvarez in the American League, right? No one else? Yep, that's who I have, too. <laughs> <laughs> National League, there's one big name that everyone's going to gravitate towards, but I have... I'm oh, no, leaning... don't hot take me now. <laughs> You know the right answer. <laughs> and who's the right answer? Say it for everyone. Pete Alonzo. Come on. It's polar bear season. <laughs> so I went with Mike Soroka. Why? <laughs> I think, and I'm going to get into this when I talk about Cy Young. I get a Cy Young caliber year. He was the frontline starter on the Braves, uh, a team that was second in the National League. And they really needed him to be because Mm -hmm. if he did not, I think he was so important to that staff. They hadn't, I mean, they have guys with potential, but, and we'll get into this with some of the Cy Young stuff. Like as much as I love Hyunjin Ryu or Ryu, I mean, he's got Bueller. He's got Kershaw. I look at valuability if that's a word. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like my strategic eyes. Let's yeah. go with it. <laughs> I just think he was so important to that Braves pitching staff and the fact that they won the division, won 97 games. I That's where I go, Soroka. I know Pete's going to get it, and he deserves it. I'm not going to say he doesn't deserve it, but I just think Soroka should get a little more attention for this award. All right. Well, that's not what I was expecting, but I like your take. <laughs> <laughs> Um, AL Cy Young. This is this is a good one. Who do you have? Justin Verlander. I went with Cole. You did? Okay, well I have uh I have Cole winning the MVP of the World Series. So oh. <laughs> that's why that's why I went that direction, but I could totally see. I mean, yeah. Oh, you could you yeah, either way, I mean, they're both great options. Yeah, flip a coin and see which way it goes, really, for those Honestly. Two. Cole did have a lower ERA. And they gravitate toward this. I'm not a huge strikeout guy, but he did have 25 more strikeouts than Verlander. They both had over 300 strikeouts this year, which is insane to have two guys on your pitching staff like that. But I would go Cole. I think most of the other numbers are the same. And so ERA is most important to me. I'll just gravitate to the guy with the ERA, I guess. All righty. I respect that. So National League, who do you have? Uh, this is hard for me. It was a toss-up between two people. Um, I had a hard time picking between Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom, but I ended up going with DeGrom. So it's interesting. I ended up with neither of those guys. <laughs> oh, who did you pick? Um, well, I was between two other guys. And I'm going to give you my thought process. It's a little similar to what we were just talking about with the rookie of the year and how important Soroka was to his staff. And then another guy and how important he was to his staff. Um, I just want to comment on DeGrom and Scherzer because Scherzer missed a lot of time and he kind of struggled a little bit down the stretch. Um, Mm -hmm. And DeGrom, here's the thing. What the really, just the thing that I have a tough time voting for him. If I had a vote as if I had a vote, (laughs) but um. (laughs) DeGrom had a few big starts down the stretch. I think he one of them was with the Cubs. They had some games where they really needed to win, and he didn't do very well. And 
that's September games do matter more than the early season games. So I, I maybe I shouldn't be looking at who has the most momentum, but I'm looking at two other guys. But I mean, I mean, before we, before you tell, before you mm-hmm. say yours, I just want to defend my Degrom yeah. really fast. Uh, he hasn't allowed a run since September 9th, which that's true. I mean, yeah. that is an accomplishment in is in in itself. Uh-huh. He has a 7.02 ERA. I mean. I know that like you were kind of mentioning some of those struggles in there, but I mean he has the best strikeout. He has 255 strikeouts in the National League, which is the best um, out of all National League pitchers. So, I mean, I guess going that's why I leaned more towards him, um, and I think he was really the bright spot that they met this year besides um, Polar Bear. So, and I do think he's going to end up getting more votes than the guys that I have ahead of him. Um, the two starts that I'm referring to, I just pulled them up. Um, August 29th against the Cubs, four runs, and August or September 3rd at Washington, four runs. And those are two games. Now, like that's <laughs> we're talking about four runs. That's not like him wetting the bed. He didn't do horrible or anything like that. I just would have if he had. I would have liked to see if they had won those games because they lost both of them and he, had he pitched better in those games, I would give him the award. But I just think those were two games that they really needed a big time performance from him in and they didn't get it. So there were just a couple other guys that I gravitated towards um, and that's Mike Soroka and Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty's mm-hmm. second half of this year was just unheard of. It was very similar to what won the award for Jake Arrieta. Um, right. A few years ago, he was just unbelievable. He has sub one ERA like the last two or three months of the season, which is just ridiculous. So, and then I look at the other factor of both those guys being emerging as a super important frontline starter to their pitching staffs that won the division. So that's my argument for both those guys. <laughs> and I guess I would go Flaherty just because he was so dominant the stretch that that's where i'm coming from i understand yeah no it's it's a good pick i mean he's gonna be so good yeah i'm so excited to watch him pitch in the future just because i think he's on a really good trajectory um and he's got some crazy stuff too in his arsenal so um i don't not like your pick okay good. <laughs> <laughs> all right and mvp in the american league this is one that is kind of open like there are some different ways you uh-huh. could go it is, but at the same time, it isn't. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, you could make you could make a case for a few people. Um, for me, it ultimately came down to Mike Trout or Bregman, and I ended up going with Trout. Uh, I don't think there's a better player in baseball than Trout. Um, so I think it's hard to... I don't know. I know that he's struggled with some injuries, but I really think that he's going to take it this year. Um, and I, I can see why people would make the case for Bregman, um, he's done a, an incredible job with the Astros, but, uh, yeah, I went with Trout. You know, those two guys are so close together and they're just different ways that you could go about this. Cause you could say one guy's team made the playoffs and he also played 22 more games, which is Bregman. Um, right. they're very similar 40 plus home runs, uh, mm-hmm. 45 for Trout. I'm looking at the numbers right now. Um, 45 for Trout, 41 for Bregman. 104 RBIs for Trout, 112 for Bregman. OBP, both over 420. Uh, 
Bregman has a better average, 296 versus 291. So really, you could go either way. The one thing that just swings it a little bit, you ever look at park-adjusted OPS plus? Yeah. Trout's OPS plus is 185. And Bregman's wow, that's crazy. 167. Uh, oh, I've seen 162 for Bregman. Oh, it might. Um, okay, I see 167, but I might be. Just could be. I'm, are you on baseball reference? Uh, no, I'm looking at the uh, Astros uh, stats reference. Oh, <laughs> maybe maybe they give him a little boost. So I, I like the park adjusted OPS metric because it factors in what kind of ballparks these guys are playing in. And that is a big time hitters park in Houston. Uh, Definitely. I'm going Trout as well. So we agree again. There we go. (laughs) One more on the board for agreement. And you mentioned National League. Mm -hmm. Uh, Go ahead and give your case. I know you had had, um, Bellinger. So give me your pitch. Yeah, I went with Bellinger. Uh, I don't think... I think it would have been close if Yelich wouldn't have been hurt. I think... Also, I could have made a case for Cattell Marte. Um, I wish I could make a case for Cattell Marte, but considering his injury, his small market team, Diamondbacks not in the playoffs, there's a kind of a lot working against him. Yeah. But um, Bellinger is 305 batting average. You know, I mean, 47 home runs, 15 stolen bases. I, mean, I could just go on and on. He has come, I mean, outside of the numbers, he's come up in such clutch situations when either the Dodgers were behind or it was a close game. And he just somehow, out of nowhere, pulls a home run out of his pocket to give him the lead. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I think uh, Bellinger's going to take it. He very well may, but I went with Yelich. Okay. And I'm looking at the numbers, and it's kind of similar. We both sided with Trout, uh, even though he had played 20 less games than... Bregman, and that's similar because Bellinger played 25 more games than Yelich did this year. Right. Uh, Yelich, 44 homers. Bellinger, 47. That's pretty close. Bellinger does best him in RBIs, 115 to 97. Stolen bases, though. Yelich has double the amount. He stole 30. He had a 44. He almost had a 45 30 year had he been healthy. Batting average is 24 points better. I mean, Yelich hit 329, 429 OBP, better in OBP, better than in OPS by 75 points. In OPS plus, Yelich is better than Bellinger by 10, 179 to 169. Yeah, I mean, um, Yelly's numbers are definitely better. Um, I just, I think I was leaning more towards Bellinger because um Yelly obviously won last year so I think it'd be cool to see someone new win obviously I know that doesn't really matter as much yeah um but um and this is coming from someone that detests the Dodgers <laughs> but I think and if you consider too that Bellinger what is making like half a million dollars this year not that again that really counts for anything but it's not as if he's playing for the money he's playing because you know he loves to play and he's good at baseball so I guess that's they're just like small factors why I went in that direction Yelly definitely has the advantage on numbers, though, and Yelly is a great, great baseball player, but I think I'm just pulling a little bit more for Belly. It's interesting because they were pretty even halfway through the year. and then Yeah, they Ye- were. Yelich really started to take the lead down the stretch, but then he gets hurt, 
And that allowed Bellinger to catch up. And now there's a lot of momentum for Bellinger because he played those last two weeks. So it'll be interesting. I mean, Anthony Rendon had a great year. He hit 319 with 34 homers, 126 RBIs. So like he's going to be in the mix. And then you could go with Freeman and Acuna from the Braves as well. Don't forget, don't forget about Cattell. Uh, and, <laughs> yep. And Cattell Marte as well. So I mean, he had a phenomenal season. Yeah, it wasn't talked about enough. I voted for him for the All-Star game. Yay, you better have. (laughs) (laughs) I was the only Cubs fan not to vote for Javi Baez. Oh, okay. I don't even want to talk to you about Cubs fans and the All-Star voting. Oh, yeah. I'm not. That was awful. I'm not into that. (laughs) I don't like that. That was so bad. I agree. I mean, come on. We all know that the Cubs have a ton of fans. That's great. But they... Half the people that were from the Cubs that were in the All-Star game did not deserve to be there. Sorry. Hot all, take. <laughs> all due respect to Kyle Schwarber and Jason Hayward. How dare you? How could you say that about them? Right? <laughs> I think I was the most upset by Hayward. I was like, ah, what is that all about? <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a lot of fun, Michaela. I'm really excited to watch the playoff games this weekend. Uh, any Me special too. plans for the games? Oh, man, I I like to just sit on my couch with a bowl of popcorn and my DVR going. I, you know, I'm very specific about how I like to watch baseball. I don't like to be bothered. So (laughs) I'm just going to sit on my couch. I'm going to watch the game. I'm going to tune in, tune everything else out. Uh, It's going to be good. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited. Are you going to multi-screen at any point? Oh, of course. Totally. I have MLB TV, obviously. So I will be uh, one on my phone, one on the TV, one on the laptop. I'll probably convince my brother to let me use his laptop so I can, you know, get some more (laughs) action in there. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. And lastly, um, is there anything that you would like to uh, promote while you're here? Like any projects that you're working on at the moment that people should check out? Uh, Would you like to promote your social media twitter handle anything of that nature yeah so you guys can follow me on my twitter account at michaela e perkins m-a-k-a-y-l-a-e perkins um i love interacting with fellow baseball nerds on twitter um (laughs) as you will probably see 90 percent of my tweets are about baseball um I also um, have my podcast with my co-host from um, The Rundown on ESPN Radio. It's called uh, The Rundown. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, also on ArizonaSports987.com. And uh, yeah, follow me on Twitter. I just got a new job with hockey. So if you're also a hockey fan, I'll probably be transitioning most of my content to hockey. So uh, we can geek out about the NHL together. But uh, thank you again so much for having me. This was so much fun. I love talking playoff baseball. So I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, sure thing, Michaela. Let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. Oh, and also I'm kicking your butt in the fantasy league. (laughs) What's your record? (laughs) I'm three and one. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I'm two and two now. I uh, have had some lack of depth at receiver after Antonio Brown went bananas. Yeah, I uh, Tyreek Tyreek Hill was my receiver, and we all know how that turned out. So <laughs> yeah. I would have won last week too, but uh, the Packers defense wet the bed, and that just what killed me. So you know, I was almost four and zero, but I'll take three and one. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see how things play out. Thank you so much, Michaela. Thank you. 
So that does it for my conversation with Michaela Perkins. What a great job she did today. Uh, Really fun talking MLB playoffs, awards, managers, everything of that nature. Hopefully she comes back soon. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast and you'd like to hear more, go ahead and subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and you will never miss an episode. You can get in touch with me on Twitter with my Twitter handle, at Jack Vita Show. I love interacting with all of y'all and hearing your thoughts on what you think of the episodes, who is your World Series pick, Tweet it at me, MVP, tell me where I was wrong. Tweet at me in a couple weeks, tell me how wrong I was about these picks. I'm here for it. It is at the Jack Vita Show. That's it for today's show, so thank you so much to everyone for listening. I'll see you next time. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>